What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 192 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Burbeck. I'm your host and guide through said podcast. Um, and I hope everyone is doing well. Hope everyone is enjoying easing of lockdown here in the UK. I know I said that last week, but it feels like we're kind of getting back to some sense of social normality, I guess, in in some aspects. Like I've been out, seen a couple of friends, which is nice. And yeah, it feels like things are kind of getting back to to how we were before pandemic times, I guess. So obviously like still a little bit anxious and, and stuff around it and still seeing some people being absolute twats but I mean that's humanity in it I think you're not gonna change that unfortunately um I'm waffling on as always um but yeah just wanted to kind of check in with everyone hope everyone's doing well I haven't got a whole lot to report this week um kind of been busy doing bits and pieces here there and everywhere not related to the podcast just life admin I guess um but yeah I'm as I say babbling as always as always just kind of want to give a shout out to some stuff we've been listening to this week um the new nothing clean record which is kind of UK sort of power violence it's called disappointment they're uh, banned from Leeds I think from Leeds someone's probably going to correct me on that but that's a really cool sort of fast core power violence record um new record from imprisoned it's called Nerve, very sort of like heavy, down-tuned, hardcore stuff with a big, gr- big bite, punchy sort of sound. Uh, new Ice Age record is really cool. So yeah, that's sort of all I've been sort of checking out this week. Nothing massive. Oh, there is one band I want to give a shout out to. They, um, the EP came out in February, but I only discovered it this week. A band called Slug. It's uh, just really cool kind of like uh that fuzzy hardcore that's really sort of popular at the moment is that bands kind of like gel and the like are doing like gag bib but this one this kind of really stood out for me so yeah go check that out it's a demo 2021 uh band called slug um let's get into this week's guest and this one was a really cool one so despite there being this global pandemic uh the wonders that have been the internet meant the opportunity for me to to create new friends and friends overseas again um and that is one of the people that we have on this week uh he is drummer of uh machinist sports reference pope boner leg biter probably others that i've missed out so i'm sorry mr jeremy Maguire. um but he is also the co-host of the deathsography podcast and that is how uh myself and jeremy became acquainted we became internet friends because we there was a mutual respect in liking each other's podcasts um jeremy was kind enough to invite me onto to their show um so if you want to hear me wax lyrical about the power and the glory record go check out that that episode on their show but yeah they they've been going through the death wishing desk uh discography god again ography is mixed up now um album by album week by week and it's a really cool show like Jeremy and, and co-host Jeff who we talk about in this conversation have a really cool like rapport and yeah so it's, it's been really nice to kind of get to know those guys like over the pandemic even though like obviously we've never met face to face we've only had like interact internet interactions but 
I feel like I know them. I hope they feel like they know me as well. And it's yeah, it's just been really cool. So it was a pleasure to get Jeremy on the show. We talk about growing up in, in Georgia, moving to Florida and kind of what that's kind of meant for, for his bands. Um, how kind of like Machinist has been a band for over 10 years now and how they've grinded away and yeah, just kind of stuck at it where probably many other bands would have fought and fallen away. Um, and we obviously get into sort of why uh, him and Jeff wanted to kind of create the, the podcast that they do as well. And so, so much more. So, yeah, as always, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Jeremy, and I'll see you on the other side. Cool. Right. So joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is drummer of Machinist, Pope Boner, Sports Reference, and probably other bands that I'm missing out, but we'll get to. But he's also the co-host of the Desography podcast, Jeremy Maguire. Jeremy, thank you very much for taking some time to do this. I think, and it's kind of like repaying the favour because you were kind enough to have me on your on your lovely show. So yeah, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, no, thanks, Tim, for having me. I um upon discovering your podcast i've been i've become a, a big fan so this has been something i've been looking forward to for a while <laughs> i appreciate it dude um before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty uh, one thing i do want to ask because i think you're the only person that i've spoken to thus far that is fully vaccinated so yeah yeah how how's that feeling uh well uh this the day after sucked um but not like so I got the Moderna one or whatever it's called. And yeah. like I was told to expect like flu-like symptoms and all that stuff. I didn't get that, but I was just so sore. Like I could barely lift my arms, my knees, my back, like all that. And I had to work uh, and like that really sucked. But honestly, since then, it was literally only that next day. And since then, mentally and physically, I've just been, I've been feeling so much better. It's been mm. really awesome. Uh, like I warned all my friends. I was like, hey. We're gonna. I'm gonna come kiss all of you. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a year. <laughs> Be prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the, like I think because I don't know how it's kind of rolling out over there in the states, but like here, it's at the moment we're in the the age range. Like if you're over forty, then you're eligible. Oh sure. Or if you've or if you've got like if you're deemed like vulnerable or like health risk or stuff. Mm -hmm. So. Like people my age at the moment are still very much sitting, twiddling our thumbs, waiting. Yeah, but we're for... probably the ones that are like dying for it the most. <laughs> right, we need to socialize. Uh, for us, it's uh, anyone above sixteen now, as of like yesterday oh, really? or something. Yeah, it's like uh, Biden's plan was like by April, whatever. Like the states had to make it mandatory for anyone over sixteen. And that That's happened, cool. and it's now something like a quarter, at least a quarter of all U.S. adults are at least are fully vaccinated so like oh, it, the u.s is actually really rolling it out really quickly um and i didn't know that about england i do know that in my friend dan who lives in uh canada was saying that he's like i have no idea when i'm gonna get it i don't know when that's yeah. gonna be rolling out i was like that sucks man well because that's the thing like we've been given like uh, a proposed date of like june is it june 20 yeah june 21st okay of like when like lockdown is fit fully over like we're kind okay. of back to normal but 
I don't. I don't know if I would probably have, but I've just given up looking at the news and shit. <laughs> so like, I haven't been. We haven't been told like when like our age range is gonna get it. But I know like there are people that are my age who are either like work in the NHS, key workers, or they've sure, got like sure. sort of medical things that have got it. So it's getting there, but. It just seems to be still a, a slog at the moment. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, you know, I live in Florida in the U.S., and it never really locked down here uh, in mm. a very scary way. Um, it was, like, two weeks, maybe, of, like, full lockdown, and then all of a sudden it's, like, you know, restaurants are basically open, bars are basically open, and it's, like, it's been like that. So, like, I work at a restaurant and I serve, like I interact with customers every day. And like, I was just like having to constantly like fight people on wearing masks. So I was always yeah, freaked yeah. out about it. And like, um, so like it is genuinely a big sense of relief to like not have to worry about going to work and possibly dying. <laughs> like I'm yeah. serious. Like it, it was like a huge, like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, We'll stop with all the COVID talk. Yeah, right, right, right. To talk right. about music and so on and so forth. <laughs> um, how I always like to open this up is like to ask my guests how you kind of got into alternative music. So, what was your kind of in? What was your exposure to alternative music? Um, so I I have a rough memory. Like I like I don't have a great memory, but like I I've actually been thinking about this for a while. Like I I know that. Um, my brother was into alternative music. I have an older brother, like a he's like ten years older than me, uh, and right. he like, but he was very much into like, from what I remember, like punk, but also like new metal. Like I have this distinct memory of that uh, Kid Rock album with Bada Da Ba on it that uh, it had like the middle <laughs> finger on the CD, and like he had that in his car, and I got in his car, and I was like, oh my god, a middle finger, oh it's so racy, uh, but like so I. But I wasn't into it at that point. But that was probably my first like exposure. Um, but like my cousin, I have an uh, older cousin who's where he's only about a year older than me. He and I were very close, and he got into it and was into like Lincoln Park and stuff like that. And uh, I actually uh, just listened to an episode of your podcast where the guest said that Lincoln Park was a huge gateway for them as well. Yeah, um, yeah. and I will say, I will say that genuinely, like. Uh, Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park was probably my first heavy album that I got into. Yeah. Um, and I, cause I'm, I'm 30. Uh, so like I was like 10 when it came out. Um, but like in terms of just like alternative music in general, like my mom, uh, like raised in the seventies or like, you know, living in the seventies went to all like the, she saw like, you know, Zeppelin and the stones and all those bands mm. and like because she lived in atlanta and like was went to all of those concerts she actually uh side story she almost died at a led zeppelin concert fuck um, yeah so like it was at this big baseball stadium and it was open seating and tickets were stupid cheap or something and she was tiny like little little tiny person and she got crushed up against a fence. Oh shit! And like genuinely, people did die at that show. Yeah, like they got yeah. stampled. Like this is a real thing. And she almost was one of them. Uh, that was the last open seating they ever had there, <laughs> because yeah, people man. genuinely died. Um, but so she was always supportive of me getting into music because she mm. was super into music. And even though when I was a kid, it was mostly like, you know, it was like a lot of that dad rock stuff, um, but also like '90s country. Um, yeah, like yeah. Leanne Rhymes and Garth Brooks. Um, I lived in South, I was raised in South Georgia. So it was like 
that was kind of all over the place. But she never, like, stopped my progression into more extreme stuff, I guess. She was always very supportive yeah, yeah. of it, even if she didn't really like it. Um, but, yeah, so I got, you know, my brother and my cousin are kind of like my gateways, I guess. And then I started to, like, mm. go on my own path, at, you yeah. know, and, and started discovering stuff on my own. That's what like, you're saying about your mum. Like, I think it's quite similar to, like, me and my brother. Like, so my parents... Like, I've still got some of, like, my dad's records. And, like, mm-hmm. there's in there is, like, as you say, there's Zeppelin, there's Sabbath, there's right. Phil Collins and stuff like that. And, like, it, when we were growing up, like, we were always surrounded. Like, even though my mum likes some of the more, like, poppier stuff, we were always surrounded by, like, guitar music. Absolutely. And, Same. like, then, obviously, like, my brother got into, like, the heavier stuff. And that's then what got me into it. But, like, even though, like, my parents were, like... The quite like the normal like what's this noise sort of thing they didn't like <laughs> tell us to stop listening to it sort of thing. right and... so something i remember very distinctly my mom saying is uh she said that her mom uh thought that they were screaming like that, that they were yelling and like why i can't understand led zeppelin because they're yelling all the time and my my <laughs> yeah. music they actually are yelling and screaming oh. all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so she understood so even if she didn't like it like she'd be like, "Why do they have to yell all the time?" And I'm just like, "Your your grandma's or your mom said the same thing." Like, yeah, yeah. Like, so I don't. Have you ever heard of this phrase "chav"? It's a very English thing. No. It originally stood for like council house and violent, but it okay. basically was like any. It was used as a descriptor for like anyone that was like a bit rough or like. Okay a bit of like a hooligan or whatever when like you were younger or whatever and that was always like my argument of like whenever my mum was like oh it's just screaming I was like would you rather me be a chav listening to this (laughs) so that was my defence she was like yeah alright fair enough alright fine yeah you're right you're okay sure Um, so then like from like Linkin Park and stuff like where did you you said like you kind of like went off on your own sort of journey so where were you kind of like going and where did you go to sort of the more kind of like punk and hardcore stuff, what bands were you getting well, into? Well, so I uh, I definitely did not like punk music in high school. Uh, I, was, right. I was very much on the, I went like heavy immediately. Like I went Linkin Park and then I wanted to go heavier. I didn't want to go faster. And so yeah. uh, again, you know, with my cousin giving me some influences, but again, like some other friends and stuff like that, I started listening to bands like, let's see. Oh man, I'm trying to remember. So like early high school was like, Azalea Dying and like, um, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm trying, I'm really, Slipknot was a big one, System yeah. Up and Down. I mean, I know those are not distinctly heavier, but actually the first two CDs I ever bought with my own money, like I was given CDs plenty, but like the first two CDs I ever bought with my own money was System of Down Toxicity and Slipknot's Volume 3. Um, nice. And so like I, I, I really went aggressive very quickly. Um, and it wasn't until... I see. So I was going through, I don't know, man, going through high school and just like, oh shit, right. A big turning point. Sorry, I'm all over the place. A big turning point (laughs) uh, was I discovered shows, right? Right. So my mom, again, very open to the idea of like, well, he's not doing drugs, you know, so he could just kind of go do what he wants to do. I was kind of a good kid. So I started going to, to shows really early, like 13 maybe, and I went to a show, a local show, 
with my cousin and this band called the Guillotine. Uh, but I lived in South Georgia, so they call themselves the Guillotine. And <laughs> <laughs> but the Guillotine, and it was like it was metalcore, and so that was my introduction into like breakdowns and stuff like yeah. that and that's what really led my journey into like we had a saying among my friends at our shows we were shithead kids we'd walk up to a band and we'd be like does your band do you guys play breakdowns and they're like if they said no we just like walk out we were just assholes <laughs> to, to to bands but like super into just like i mean oh a big one was like my children my bride that was in yeah, high school yeah. um because they were also kind of from our area uh i don't know man like I saw so many bands because I started my, my town. I lived in a town called Brunswick. It's very small. Um, and I would drive to like Savannah, which was North of us or Jacksonville, which was South. And I started going to all these shows. And then I discovered Warp Tour. And that was a, like in the middle of Warp Tour's metalcore phase. So like, yeah, you know, I saw Dillinger escape plan at 10 AM in 2006 or something like that was like, and I was just like blown away about like their, fucking crazy live show and stuff like that um i was really kind of all over the place in terms of that in high school but it wasn't until the end of high school and early college that i started to get into like punkier music uh which is yeah, like yeah. the opposite for a lot of people i feel i, I don't know because it sounds very similar to like myself because like i was very much like me and my brother again like we were very much of like the new metal kind of phase mm -hmm. so like early Roadrunner record stuff. Yeah, and then absolutely. when when I got into college, it was like the height of MySpace and like the <laughs> yeah. like the scene fringe. So it was all like the deathcore stuff. So mm -hmm. it was the same. Like I'd gone from like listening to like Linkin Park and System of Downs and Pantera, who like okay, yeah, still heavier bands, but then right. going the complete opposite and going to Black Dahlia Murder. God, Black like Dahlia. for a oh. Cowboy. Yes, and, exactly. You're speaking my language. Stuff. Exactly. Uh, Casey Strain, maybe. Like, yeah, just, yeah. Just like deathcore, metalcore. So I went to uh, this festival in my in my high school career, and it was called Sounds of the Underground. I went two years in a row, and it was like headlined by like Aslay Dine, which, which fuck Aslay Dine because fuck that dude tried to get his wife murdered. But they were oh, a just, just a side, sorry. Just a just side, a side <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen what he's doing recently? That prank? no, I I just stopped paying attention to anything. He was so doing. I only saw it because it was on Twitter. But he's doing like some redemptive like mental health workshop uh... now, and it's just like, dude, fuck off, mate. Like no one gives a shit about you. Like, but in in a perfect world, the prison justice system would reform people and make them better. Uh, but that yeah. is not how it works, especially here in the U.S. That dude is yeah. still a piece of shit, and fuck him. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. I yeah, no, it's okay. But yeah, so like, but like, it was like Aslay Dine, but it was also Black Dahlia Murder, Evergreen Terrace, Acacia Strain, uh, Job for a Cowboy. Um, I saw Horse the Band. I fucking love that. That was amazing. Mm. It was like this great, great festival. But the reason I bring it up is because Guar played both years in a row. Oh, I, sick. And it was incredible. The first time I saw them, I nearly uh, died, like had a, like a um, like heat stroke because it was just like, we were all just chilling. And then they start and the whole crowd it was middle of summer in the middle of Florida and with like in a baseball stadium. So no shade. <laughs> yeah. And they, they just, everyone ran forward because they wanted to be sprayed with like blood and cum or whatever. And <laughs> whatever Guar does. <laughs> and I thought I was going to die because I genuinely was like dehydrated because that was the point where I was, 
I was maybe 15, 16, and I had no money. I was literally, I would tip the people selling water to let me just like dip my head in the ice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, I was going to these places with no money for like even water. Like I just, I was so desperate to like see bands and I still, I mean, yeah. I, I'm still that way, but like very much that at that point. But yeah, like just high school and early college just dominated with metalcore and deathcore. Um, the uh, to- uh, early, beginning of college, I started, or yeah, into high school, beginning of college, I was really into a day to remember uh, a lot. They were from, again, the area, so I saw them like eight times in like two years, yeah. which was like a weird thing. Um, and like the Devil Wears Prada was a big thing at that time. My cousin were super in, was also super into these bands, which again, kind of played into it. Mm. Um, but then when I, I moved to Atlanta to go to college and got introduced to the actual like maybe not diy hardcore scene but like the real hardcore scene like foundation was playing a lot at that time and like you know bands like that uh and like i got to see i got to see them several times and i love that band but they gave me tickets to see like paint it black and uh propaganda with them opening and like that just it like introduced me to so much more of the like quote unquote real hardcore scene yeah, uh, yeah and that i that i've been in ever since uh, well i mean i've been aware of ever since anyways mm. but so you, yeah in terms of in terms of like because you've mentioned like going to shows was a big kind of part of it and everything oh huge like, yeah and i'm always like fascinated with like because of how big the states is like how different their scenes are and mm-hmm. things so it sounds like there was quite a thriving scene in where you were growing up. So, so yes and no. Uh, like I said, <laughs> uh, Brunswick was very small. Um, and we did, I mean, we were better off than a lot of places. There's a lot of places that mm. are equally the same size that had nothing. And so we did have something. It was partially due to location. It was, like I said, directly uh, an hour south of Savannah, hour north of Jacksonville. So, like, bands would come through our area a lot yeah. but it was all we had i mean we didn't have a venue we would rent spots like i've been actually putting on shows like as a promoter since i was like 15 because of this mm. and we would rent this like um <laughs> well there were two places we would either rent this like waterfront park building so like it's like middle of downtown <laughs> really nice like beautiful like scenery and we would just rent it out and have fucking like deathcore shows there and <laughs> it was crazy or we would rent there was like a baseball field and had a little like rec building that people would like feed right. the team or something like that we'd rent that out um so like we maybe had one or two show one or two shows a month maybe uh, and it was, but it was like all we had and it's all I like, I mean, I, I was there at every single one. I was always early. I watched, I did watch every band, even if like I was an asshole and was like, do you have breakdowns or whatever? But like, <laughs> <laughs> I did watch every band. I saw a lot of really crazy bands, like, uh, like bands that really didn't make sense. Like, like Attila played in my hometown oh, uh, yeah, before yeah. they got big. And like a lot of, a lot of little bands played before they like went off like Chiodos, uh bands like that um but like my hometown just had a fascination with metalcore or pop punk there was like you never had if you had a punk band come through no one liked it if you had i don't know just a metal band like a thrash band no one liked it so it was it was a good scene but it wasn't it was not receptive it was really specific it was very specific (laughs) which again why i love metalcore so much because it was just like that's what the scene liked yeah 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 
So then in terms of you like playing like instruments, as I say, like you drum in numerous bands and stuff, but was drums always what you wanted to do or did you kind of dabble with, with other stuff before settling on drums? How did that kind of come? I, it is a little bit of an interesting story how I settled on drums. So like I never was very good at playing anything and I, I still, I still claim that, but like in the sense of like, <laughs> in the sense of like, as a, as a teenager, I desperately wanted to be able to play uh bass. I was like drawing right. to bass for whatever reason. And my friend and I basically like wanted to start a band and we were like, well, we, but we both wanted to play bass, which is really weird. Like that is weird. <laughs> right. But we both wanted to play bass and we like flipped a coin and it was like, whoever won got to play bass. The other one had to play guitar. And so we did that and I, I lost. So I had to play guitar, but like I suck at guitar. My hands are gigantic and it's very difficult for me to form chords. And I didn't understand what a drop tuning was where you could just do bar chords all day and it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> So like I, I was terrible. It never went anywhere. I got super frustrated. Basically was like, oh, I'll never play an instrument. Like I can't do it. And cut to a couple years later, some friends, some other friends of mine, uh, they're like, hey, let's just jam some stuff. We got a drum set, guitar. And I got on the drums for the first time and I loved it. Uh, but again, I wasn't very good. I didn't understand a lot of things. And But that band was one of those like high school bands where everyone like switched instruments every song. Do you know what right, I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. We were not good. We played like two shows. It was terrible. Uh, I think the MySpace still exists out there. That we were called the Leviathan, <laughs> um, but it was just like really bad. And so like I, again, I just like I never thought I was very good, and never thought I would be able to get better because I didn't have money for lessons. I didn't, you know, whatever. Um, and so I stopped playing drums for a long time. And it was, I was in college. I had moved to a my second college because I did not like my original one. And so I'm in Valdosta, Georgia, which is again, a very small town in South Georgia. And I see a Craigslist ad for some band looking for a drummer. And I didn't know anyone in town. So I was like, Oh, I'll respond. I've played drums before in my life. And mm. that band ended up becoming this band called adverse. And that was the first, I would say real band I was in quote unquote, but I was yeah. 19, 20, 19 at that point. You know what I mean? So like, and it, so from there is where I, I think I, I called myself a drummer. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, again, I didn't ever think that I would, I would do it well. I thought it would just be like a whatever. Because um, also at that time, because I was still obsessed with bands and touring and all that stuff, but I didn't think I was going to be able to tour my own band. So I was running merch for a bunch of friends' bands, uh, specifically this band called This Hideous Strength, which... The vocalist of that band is the co-host on my podcast, Jeff Hill. We've been, oh, friends, been friends since then. It's been 15 years or so since we met, something like that. And uh, I was, so I'd run merch for his band. And I was just like, always like, oh, I really want to be in my own thing. And tried to join Adverse, or did join Adverse, got kicked out, whatever. But ended up starting, <laughs> starting my band Machinist, which is, I'm still in. Uh, and I took a guitarist from Adverse who was like, we were still friends uh, his name was Blake. He was the first guitarist in Machinist. Well, actually second, because one of the first two. Um, but me and my friend Ashley had started Machinist uh, and then brought Blake in, brought my friend Jesse in, and eventually brought Jeff in. And then, like, I I kind of think that's when I was like, all right, Jeremy, you have to get better at drums. You have to start yeah, playing yeah. more. You have to start practicing more. But I had to be like, let's see, we've been a band 10 years this year. So, like, 
that's kind of what that's where I consider myself becoming a musician, quote unquote. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's interesting though, because like I don't know, like I've I'm kind of similar in the fact that like I've always been interested in playing an instrument, but I'm ju- I'm just not musically inept whatsoever. Like my brother plays guitar and like I try to emulate that and I just don't have the coordination for it. It's difficult. I tried <laughs> I tried bass, I gave up on bass really quickly. <laughs> but I always think like if I had the capacity when I was younger to have like a drum kit available, like it's always something that I wish I'd kind of given a go. Absolutely. But like then when I joined a band and like you're obviously you're in a practice space and you just like piss around like getting behind a drum kit and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, I, I so, get it. I get it because like, I mean, so in, in the band Pope Boner, I play everything. I play guitar, yeah, bass, and yeah. drums. And that's been a slow process since I was 15 learning how to play guitar. And it's really yeah. only been in the last five years or so that I was like comfortable with like sharing ideas that I had written. You know what I mean? And like maybe possibly putting them to uh record or whatever because I, I started this band with my uh two roommates and girlfriend at the time called living lost and we played like a couple shows we opened for like the body and shit like that it was really cool oh sick. uh but like and gouge away as well but um that was like hardcore punk in the vein of like i really like the band punch um yeah, yeah and so i was trying to write punch songs not very well but trying <laughs> at least in that in that and that was the first time i was like okay i kind of can play guitar and then i've used that to fuel Pope Boner, which is not as punch sounding, but still the energy is in that band, like that I was trying mm. to capture with Living Lost. I, yeah, I'm in I I'm in like five bands right now, technically, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You're a very, very busy man, Jeremy. I well, yeah, so I mean, you know, the past year has been real slow, obviously, and uh the only two like quote active bands I'm in are Machinist and Pope Boner, but all the others are still there and they're still like yeah. they're ready to come up. So there's leg biters which actually we just had our first practice like, again we're all we're all vaccinated now the that band um we just had our first practice in a year uh the other day and that's more like i i always say pop punk but not in the sense of blink 182 more like descendants or buzzcocks right, okay, yeah, more yeah, like yeah. buzzcocks like we did a buzzcocks cover for a while like that just like poppy punk you know what i mean yeah um but then there's also my band sports reference which is a band i've been in for a, quite a number of years which is like grunge indie emo punk stuff and like but then there's also a brand new band well brand new that i started literally for to play with the band frail body um who i love so much they they were coming through gainesville we started uh beskar uh okay. and so that was me and my uh uh bandmate from sports reference one of them like it's just me and him it's kind of like we don't have anything recorded but we are going to record relatively soon it's like kind of groovy metal but not like i don't know it's not like stoner or like you know whatever it's just like kind of groovy and fun and it's very different than machinist which is always my i don't know it's like my uh it's what i need it's like if i'm going to be in a new band it cannot be the same type of band you know what i mean it it needs to fulfill something different and like that's why so that's why i'm in five bands (laughs) (laughs) like loads of different itches that you need to scratch exactly (laughs) i listen to way too much music to play one type of fucking music you know what i mean (laughs) well you've kind of touched upon it like with how kind of machinist kind of came to be but i guess i don't know what like you mentioned that verse as well like so 
is Machine is kind of like the first band that you were kind of actively doing stuff in, or yes. was there anything prior to that? Not really. Like, so I mentioned like the Leviathan and Adverse, and we all we both, you know, Adverse played a couple shows, Leviathan played a couple shows, but like not, nothing really. I don't even think Leviathan never def, definitely never had any merch or anything like that. Adverse maybe had a couple shirts, maybe uh, mm. or patches or something, but like neither band really recorded anything while I was in them. You know what I mean? Um, Machinist was definitely my first uh, real band, like first yeah. touring experience of my own, uh, first merch, first vinyl, first CD, first, you know, first cassette, first, first everything, basically. Yeah. Um, and and that's why I think I hold on to it so hard. Like, like I said, we've been a band 10 years this year, so mm. I'm still like, no, I won't let go. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep going. And we're, st- I mean, we're literally still writing. Like, we put out a record like two months ago or split, and we're already, you know, we're writing for the next thing. Like, we're still moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just in terms of that, like, I always kind of want to, like, dig into the initial sound. And, like, you've kind of touched upon this on your own podcast as well with Jeff. Like, the fact that, like, when Machina started, that the idea was kind of to sound sort of banner-esque kind right. of thing. Yeah, uh, and we I think tried. It's, <laughs> well, I was going to say, and I think it's ironic that you've got a, a banner banner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. I love the banner. They're uh, fucking awesome. <laughs> But, like, obviously, like, that was kind of one of the touching points. But, like, was there anything else that you were kind of, like, digging into and vibing off that you wanted the band to sound like initially before it kind of evolved to where it is now? Very much so. So, again, I was not good at drums when we first started. I still (laughs) still hold that. And so there was a lot of stuff I wanted to sound like. But I don't think we ever, ever achieved it. It wasn't until, like you mentioned the banner thing, that I don't think we achieved that until five years into the band. And yeah. we changed, had changed guitarist and like all this stuff. And I was like, now we're vaguely banner esque. You know what I mean? But I mean, at the time, the, the guitarist, the, one of the original guitarists, Blake, who's now a tattooer in Asheville, who's incredible. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, he, he was super into trash talk and ceremony and he introduced right. both those bands to me and I, they have become some of my favorite bands of all time. Like I have a ceremony tattoo. I fucking love that band. Uh, and so like we were trying to do that and we were trying to do the banner basically like in also in Valdosta, there was not a big, like anything other than kind of pop punk and metalcore, right. That's mm. for whatever, re- forever, uh, for whatever reason, like small towns kind of gravitate towards those maybe because they're a little bit more like universally a, like appealing in terms of alternative music. Yeah. But uh, so like we wanted to be in a fast, nasty band. And so our first tour, we called the fast, nasty tour because we didn't <laughs> Right. I don't know. It was just like a week in Florida or something like that. And uh, <laughs> like, we just wanted to be faster than everyone else and nastier than everyone else. Not necessarily heavier you know what i mean yeah yeah uh and that's really what we'd like wanted to dig in and that's what we did for a long time and it wasn't again until we changed guitars that our sound kind of evolved into what it is now uh which is Mm. more like metal blackened hardcore ish punk stuff because there's still a punk groove to it and stuff like that but it's definitely like way heavier than it used to be Mm. um but that you know that happens and I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but because like obviously you've mentioned growing up in Georgia, but you're now in Gainesville, Florida. So mm-hmm. like, 
when did the move happen and, and why the move? So I, I moved around a lot, like for my entire life. Um, I, I think by the time I was in high school, I had lived in like 14 different houses or something, right. all, all kind of a lot in the same area, but like, we just moved around a lot. So like the idea of like permanence in terms of living situations has never really been something for me. Like I like mm. being different places. And so like I moved to Atlanta for college. I moved to Valdosta for college. I was in Valdosta for a while, but like there was nothing in Valdosta besides the band. So I was like, as long as I'm in the area, like within a couple hours, like, and I can come back and practice or play, like I'll move. So I moved to back to Brunswick for a little bit. Cause I was dating this girl who lived there. And then we moved to Gainesville because it was like, we both were just like, fuck living here. Like Brunswick's like a fucking <laughs> yeah. black hole of a place. It'll just suck you in. And like, so it was either going to be Savannah, Georgia, or Gainesville. And I had living in Valdosta is only an hour and a half above Gainesville, like straight up the interstate. And because uh, Valdosta is like basically Florida, it's like so low in Georgia. It's right. Okay. Florida. Um, so I had been to Gainesville for the fest and I had been to Gainesville for shows. Like I would come down, I saw like Power Trip down here and stuff like that. And like, so Gainesville was always super attractive to me in terms of someone who loves music because it's like, even though it's a small town, it's got so much big town energy in terms of music, right? There's like, right, yeah, yeah. At least before the pandemic, obviously things have changed, and we'll see where we're at afterwards. But there were eight venues in downtown within spitting distance of each other, and it's like yeah. in a small town, that's insane, right? Like the fact that you can have this metal venue, you can have this like more acoustic venue, you can have a rock venue, you can have you know da 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 da. And so, like, it was super attractive to me. So probably, I guess it's about six years I've lived here now. And uh, I wouldn't live anywhere else in Florida because fuck Florida. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone who lives anywhere else in Florida agrees with that statement, by the way. Like, <laughs> they're just like, fuck Florida. This place is the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, Gainesville is just, like, such a cool town. And I'm still close to Valdosta, so I can still be in Machinist. You know what I mean? Because cool. it's only an hour and a half drive up there, so... Yeah, yeah. So then, in terms of, like, you mentioned as well, like, Machinist was the first band that you were touring as a musician mm -hmm. sort of thing. And uh, I always kind of, like, find interesting when people kind of, like, notice people noticing their band. And, like, complete transparency. Like, I'd never heard of Machinist until That's I started right. listening to you guys. <laughs> but okay. obviously, like, getting to know you, I was sort of like, I need to check out these guys' band and I like, listened to it and I was like, this is dope. This is like right on my alley sort of thing. But like, was there a moment, because as you say, you've been going for 10 years now. Like, was there a moment when you realized like, oh, like we're like people from outside of like our immediate circle of friends are starting to pay attention to us. Like, like, I don't know whether it's someone like me that's on the other side of the Atlantic sure. or if it's just someone on the other side of the States. Like, when did that kind of... So machinist has a weird history with like quote exposure right like it's like right. we were never i mean at this point when we play a hometown show quote unquote we do well but like we didn't at the time when we were first starting like again like no one really wanted to listen to a band like us because they wanted to listen to metalcore or pop punk or whatever and so like we were friends with everyone so they would come see us but it wasn't like they liked us and so it was like <laughs> yeah. we immediately were touring like we within five months of being a band did that first tour and like we were touring a lot the first five years i mean it was like every two months we were out for two weeks it was just like go mm. go 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 
and we live in the southeast u.s so it's like you could hit a lot of big cities and like do not like huge cities but you know and so like our second or third tour we we uh the thing that we were also again we were touring on one song that we recorded for a uh compilation we did three tours on one song because we weren't like that's pretty sick to be fair yeah we just like weren't concerned with recording because we just wanted to play we just wanted to play and tour and and didn't give a shit about like putting music out there which whether or not in the long run that worked out for us is a different thing and maybe that's why like only now we're starting to see some like recognition but not the point so like we play oklahoma city on that tour and it was the first time i had ever been like past the mississippi river and like out in like that area and like these kids in oklahoma city a place i never even thought i'd ever be at knew the words to the one song that we had and were like you know (laughs) and they were trying to get the mic and it was just like oh shit okay so like you don't have to have recognition in your immediate circle to have recognition outside of it and that's when things like really clicked for us because like in like i consider machinist to be a very successful band in terms of like uh like things i wanted to do right like we we toured literally corner to corner of the u.s we've put out records we've put out like splits with friends we've done stuff on vinyl we've we've there's only like one or two more things that we want to do as a band which we're hoping to check off this year which is record Mm. with a certain producer and go to europe as a band and um maybe not this year but you know within a while yeah yeah um but it's like so like I don't really give a shit if people like us because I've achieved everything that I want to achieve with the band basically. Yeah. But we, I want to say we put out two seven inches with a, with an English label called Speedo Wax records. Mm. And, uh, they, they put out our first two EPs on vinyl and that was like really crazy. Like we're like, we couldn't find a home for it in the States, but we found a (laughs) home for it in England. And again, that's a part of the larger, like, people around us maybe didn't necessarily like us, but people in that outer ring like us. And that's always been a weird feeling that we've, that we've been fighting with for a long time, because sometimes it can be very discouraging when you're like, Oh, you know, this label that like is like a home label quote unquote, doesn't like us, but like this other random label does. But it's like at a certain point, like who gives a shit? Like I'm doing it for myself. And if they like it and can help us share the music, then I'm all about that. Um, But like, then we got picked up by Eulogy Records uh, for our first LP, which I don't know if you know their history, but like you know, they're like a, they were a fairly established hardcore label in the in the yeah, South. Yeah. And especially for someone who's in the Southeast, like they 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 had like Casey Jones and kids like us and a bunch of these like Southeastern hardcore bands that we loved, but they like that record deal fucking sucked. They basically did no promotion. They oh, never shit. paid us any money. They, I mean, just like it fucking sucked. So it's like. And so it was at that point that we were like, so not always when people are like interested in your band, does it work? I don't know, man. Machinist has just had just a weird, weird history, but it's like, then we play the fest in Florida yeah, and we fill, we fill the entire room and everyone knows the words. And it's like, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to exactly explain it. It's like, but we, we have a fan base but it's sometimes it's like, it's hard to see it. And I don't know why that is. It's just a way it's just something that it is. And so it's like, so at a certain point, like we put out a split earlier this year with our friends in dead hand. And it's like that got released by this label nefarious industries. And it's like, 
that shit like sold fucking well, but it's like not mm. to people I know. I don't know. It's fucking weird. <laughs> it's really yeah. weird. Uh, and I've definitely had a lot of like tumultuous feelings about it because like I said, it can make you feel kind of weird to not be supported by people immediately around you, but be supported yeah, yeah. by people. And it's like, I don't know. I, it's it's hard to explain to him, honestly. But <laughs> <laughs> like, the other thing as well, like I always find interesting is like people's touring experiences. And you said like you guys hit the road pretty hard, pretty quickly sort of thing. Yeah. And you mentioned obviously like you were kind of off on tour previously anyway with Jeff's old band mm-hmm. and, and other friends and things like that. But I don't know, like because you kind of had that kind of mentality of like wanting to hit the road, like straight off the bat, did you kind of like, I don't know, like, not have like the idea of like this is the be all and end all, but like I don't know. Did you kind of see that as the the trajectory of the band rather than like it and being a necessity uh, a necessary part of being a band, if that makes sense? Yeah, I, I think like I loved touring so much uh, with Jeff's old band that I was like, this is like what I want, and this is mm. like this is what I want to do, and it's like yes, the music is important, and yes. I'm not like discounting it, but it's like the music is almost like a tool so that I could tour. And I know like, it's like touring at least back then, like it's considerably slowed down for me since then. But like touring back then was such an integral part of like who I was and what I wanted because like, I love traveling, but I'm broke. So like, how do you travel? (laughs) (laughs) This is is why I got into touring. Right. So it's like, you can kind of, it's like, it's not a vacation, but it is, you can enjoy yourself, you know, like yeah. I got to see within a month of each other, I got to see the fucking uh, Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and the Statue of Liberty in New York, you know, like that was like a big deal for me. And it still is a big deal because I still go to those cities and I'm still flabbergasted by stuff that's not around me because I mean, I mean South Georgia fucking sucks to live in. Like there's nothing mm. there and it's just flat and it's like fucking pine farms, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like seeing stuff like that and like like i i remember seeing there's this speaking of san francisco seeing this uh there's abandoned military base by the golden gate bridge and we got we like went in you're not really supposed to but we did and it just like i was i was sitting there on like a cliff looking out on the bay and like just being like with my like fucking four best friends and like i wouldn't trade anything for this this is this is what i want and this is what i will always want and like I said, it's it's slowed down since then. But like, I think one of the reasons I'm also in a lot of bands is so that I can eventually get like each band to do a little bit of time. That way, each band doesn't have to <laughs> yeah. do too much, but I can do everything in all the bands. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I don't know. Touring is like it's 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 hard to explain to someone who's not been there because it sucks sometimes. You know, it's like oh yeah yeah like I've had some of the worst experiences of my life on tour. Like I had, uh, this, this group of people in Arkansas try to pay us in a giant bag of meth that would have sent us all to jail, uh, just for being near it. It was that much meth. Uh, I had, I had this one people, I don't, I don't know, California or something. They were like, yeah, you can stay over at the house and we get there. And they're like, you can't come inside though. (laughs) You have to sleep (laughs) on this concrete pool deck, uh, next to this abandoned mosquito infested pool 
Oh, no. Uh, and by the way, it was my birthday. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> like, and, you know, just, like, really shit, shit experiences. Like, we, we broke into an apartment in New Jersey one time to sleep there because there was, like, nowhere else to sleep. I'm not broken. I'm not. We did not break in. It was open. Not the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just, like. You know, you have, like, really terrible experiences, but I still wouldn't trade any of that for, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. living, like, just a nine-to-five job of, like, just to pay bills. You know what I mean? Like, oh, definitely. Like, I 100% agree. Like, you, d- yeah, like, there's always, like, those shitty moments, but, like, there's always just, like, being surrounded by, like, friends and, like, as you say, like, exploring the world. Like Absolutely one of the first like european tours i i went on like i had the opportunity to go to poland like i'd never go to poland off my own right and it's but just like fuck yeah i'd go to poland <laughs> yeah on tour and and, but it was like i always remember like we had so i don't know if you've ever had there's a booking agent in europe called avocado i have they, i have they, heard of them yeah. yeah so they book like all like the big tours and we were like i was out with my friends in Svalbard, they were like main support for, mm-hmm. um, do you know the saddest landscape? I do. Yeah. I've seen them. A couple yeah. Times. So, so it was with them. Um, but they were only doing like certain dates. So avocado had obviously like booked like major cities in countries, but it was like one date per country, but the routing was fucked. So it was like one date in Germany, one date in Poland, one date in Italy, one date in France. It was Not just fun. all over the shop. So we had to, we played, we did the date in Poland and this was like height of winter as well. It was like late January, beginning of February, Mm -hmm. had to get up to travel to Italy at like 4am. It was like minus fucking 14 in Poland, (laughs) loading all this gear into our van, like just woking up freezing cold. And it's like, as you say it's horrible but at the same time like it's such a good experience because you're doing it with all your friends no absolutely it's like it's like you're you're, it's almost like uh bonding through trump (laughs) almost like yeah yeah yeah. i'm here with my friends and we're experiencing this together but and that ultimately makes it okay (laughs) well it's so like one of the last tours i did before the pandemic was put like one of the longest tours i i've ever done and it was like all around Europe. It was with uh, this band called Gender Roles, who are now like because of that tour, like some of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and our van broke down in uh, shit. Where was it? Somewhere in France. But we were going into Italy, and the van broke down like the day before. And like because of where we were, like language barrier and all that, like just basically got the van towed somewhere. I had to wait for it to get fixed and it took forever. And the guys mm-hmm. were like, look, the, this is going to take like four or five hours to get to where we're playing. We don't know how long the van's going to be. So they were like, look, Tim, do you mind like sorting the van out? We'll call the promoter and see like, can the support bands supply us with like all the gear and we'll get like a coach. So that's what like the band wow. ended up yeah. on the coach. I was fucking, like, just sat with all my gear, <laughs> like, all like, my travel stuff, like, in this fucking, like, mechanics garage. Right, right. Like, ended up just, like, stressing the fuck out, like, thinking this is going to cost me an arm and a leg. But bless them, they were fucking amazing, and they fixed it, and they charged <laughs> only charged me, like, 25 euros. Holy shit. <laughs> and I just, like, literally just, like, fucking bombed it through fucking Italy, 
ended up getting to the venue before the band. <laughs> and it was just, but it was like one of those things like afterwards, we were like, yeah, we're friends for life now. Because of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that reminds me of a time a machinist was on tour with uh, this band called False Tongues, who are like a melodic hardcore band from Alabama. And we were on tour with the uh, band called Northbound, which is like at the time he was only playing acoustic, but it's like this pop punk band from South Florida. Uh, and uh, it was like the three of us. And we got we were in Kentucky and we broke down and it had like snowed the day before. And uh, as a southern person, I had that was like my first like adult experience with snow and so like <laughs> yeah as day one i was like wow this is great i'm having a great time but like day two uh i was like all my shoes are canvas this sucks i can't walk anywhere <laughs> my my feet are freezing i hate the snow this is the worst in the world but anyways we got stuck there we got stuck there for five days in oh, kentucky shit. and because we didn't have the money to because again it was like a lot of what machinist has done touring wise has been ourselves. Like we, we do it ourselves because it's like, I don't know. We just always have, I mean, we, we, we've been on tours other people have booked, but we, a lot of the ones we've done, we, we do ourselves. And, um, so there was no, it was us and false tongues in one vehicle sharing gear. So it was like, we couldn't borrow anything. So we were like, I guess we'll just wait till the van's fixed. And it took like five days, but luckily we were able to stay with the promoter of that Kentucky show. His name was nasty. Nate, uh, and he was gracious enough to let fucking like nine dudes stay there, which was yeah, wild, man. uh, in his house with children. I mean, he had kids like not that you know, like <laughs> I would let nine people stay in my house if I had kids. You know what I mean? Like, that's weird. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. like, that's a lot of people to be around your kids that you don't know. And anyways, but like the, it really, like we really bonded with false tongues on that because we still talk about it. And that was like six years ago. And it was like, we became best friends with the other band because of that and like yeah yeah it was just like i mean i had a really not great time at at first because it was cold outside so no one wanted to go outside to smoke and he let them smoke inside so it was like seven or eight people all smoking inside and i don't smoke so my eyes were just like watering anyway besides the point i was agreeing with you you become bonded (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that was a just, really traumatic experience. <laughs> no, I can imagine. Um, before we kind of move on to like other bands, one thing sure. I did want to just like stick on with Machinist is like you mentioned, obviously this year being like ten years of being a band, yeah. and obviously like the last year we kind of write off because of the pandemic and because stuff. Of but like, yeah. I think for any like punk hardcore band to hit such like a milestone, it, like no matter like how big or small your band is like is a is a massive achievement sort of thing so i don't know like for you like during that tenure like you kind of started off like saying that this is something that you've always loved and always wanted to push but how have you kind of seen the bands change and like what have you kind of what have been the difficulties with it and that what's kind of pushed you to kind of persevere for so long with it well something um so the only two original like if you have our original members are me and Jeff, yeah. uh, which is weird because it's like the drummer and the vocalist, but uh, our guitarist Matt has been in the band for like five years at this point. So he's like, it's not like he's a new person, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. Um, anyways, besides the point. So like we, like I said, very early on, we were touring so much that it really put a toll on some of the members and me and Jeff had a conversation very early on because we were both in the same mindset and we were both like, this is, 
you know, not like it's not their band, but like this is our band. You know, yeah. this is we're putting time into this where this is our thing. And like, I'm going to do what it takes to keep it moving. Uh, and I'm going to do what it takes to like, I'm not going to let other people get in the way of what I want in terms of like, I don't mean that in a dickish way. I just mean like, you know, I'm not going to let other people put up roadblocks that don't mean anything. I'm going to just like move by them and keep going. And yeah, so yeah, like yeah. we were, we had that mindset really early on of like, this is what we want to do. So why would we let other people stop us? You know what I mean? Like, mm. and so our, you know, our original bass player quit. And so we didn't have a bass player for like two years. We just had fill-ins. And so like, we were like, I don't care if he wants to quit. That's fine. We'll just have fill-ins <laughs> and we'll keep going. And like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, and then like both guitarists at separate times and over the course of like a year, like both were like, Hey, I don't want to tour as much or I can't tour as much. Like, like I said, Blake was starting to become a tattoo artist. And so he wanted to focus way more on that. Couldn't be yeah. gone as much, et cetera, et cetera. And we were like, it was never any hard feelings. Like no one ever quit or got fired or whatever, like through any sort of like bad blood. It was always very much like uh, our guitarist Ashley at the time was getting really into like um, bodybuilding, oddly enough. And okay. like, so she, she got really into that and like Blake got to get in touch. So we like, they just kind of naturally like fell off. And then we replaced them with our current guitarist, Matt Marshall. And like, again, we still didn't have a bass player at this time. We were still having fill-ins. And then we, we, we ended up getting another bass player named Cameron, who was in a really cool band called Rebel Scum. Uh, and he, it never quite vibed a hundred percent with him. So like, we've had member issues for really like, not member issues, but it's been like, I don't know. It's been really weird, but me and Jeff have been very constant and we've been very yeah. constant in terms of like what we want and what we want to do. And it's like, and again, so we just like all the stuff that happens. It's like, why break up? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, I think that if any of us quit, we would break up. But that's a that's because it has been this lineup for five years, basically. Yeah. So it's yeah, like yeah. because when when Jesse quit, we'd been abandoned a year and a half or two years or something, like not a long time. And same thing with Ashley and Blake. It was like maybe another year after that. So it's like you're gonna break up. At, you've only been a band for three years. That's like nothing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like in the grand scheme of things, it's like it's nothing just keep moving forward so now we've been a band for 10 years and it's like we've we've gone over so many hurdles we've had member changes we've had member moves i i you know i personally got really fucking sick for about a year like two years ago and so like but we like we just were able to move forward and like we had fill-ins and we've done stuff and done this and so it's just like i don't know man if you want something enough there's not anything that can really stop you except yourself yeah and that's, that's how bad. me and jeff look at it is like I, and I, the reason I said that we would break up if one of us stop, if one of us quit now is because I don't want to c not continue as we are. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So at that, so it is myself that would be ending it. It wouldn't be some, it wouldn't be some other factor. Um, and I think that's the big thing that a lot of bands don't fucking get. Like so many bands, like they're like, oh, we just didn't, uh, whatever. It's you know, we're not achieving successes, but it's like, it's been two years. Title fight, <laughs> yeah. title fight fucking like, you know, quote blew up overnight. They were a band for eight years yeah, before man. they quote yeah. blew up overnight. They put in the work, you know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not saying that like, I'm expecting us to blow up quote unquote, but it's like, you can't expect immediate shit. And if you, if you are expecting that you're not in the right fucking thing. Right. I so think it's that's like, the thing like with like, how accessible stuff is nowadays though like people 
do expect that to some extent. Sure. Like they think, oh, I'm just gonna I'll whack my like demo or my EP up on Bandcamp and off it goes kind of thing. But yeah, as you say, like you know, it's, it's not always the like. I, it's probably a one in a hundred that that does right. It, do, it like it does happen, and obviously it does. And I'm not saying it doesn't, but it's like like there is a band recently that a friend of mine's in that like has never played a show, mm. got signed to a pretty decent indie la- or emo label, and has now sold out of their first seven inch. Never yeah. played a show. Yeah. Right. And so it's just like like because they formed quote unquote like in the pandemic. So it's like yeah 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 like. Like there, there can be runaway successes, of course, and so like when people don't get that, it discourage it's it can discourage them, and it's like, if almost every band you listen to was not a runaway success, they put in the fucking work first. <laughs> you just gotta do that. I don't know. I mean, you gotta stick through it. I don't. I it it. People want shortcuts, and I get that. I hundred percent do because I would take them if they were given to us as well. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but it's like you don't always get them. Sometimes you just gotta fucking walk the path. <laughs> Right, so I'm gonna go a bit blind into this because, like, some of your other bands, of they're not, as, they're not as big. I understand. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's not so much that. I just don't know as much about. But the one I'm intrigued about mostly is Sports Reference because sure. I think, like, in comparison to Machinist and Pope Boner, it's the one that's probably the most removed musically. Sure. Yeah. 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 Aspect. Yeah. It is very so, different. So how did that kind of band come about? And like, how is it for you playing a different style? Like you said earlier, like being in all these different bands scratches different itches, but like, how is it like in comparison to like switch from, from one style to the other? So sports reference started at a period when machinist was having some downtime. Cause I had moved back to Brunswick. And so we were right. having some downtime. We had just done like some six week fucking full us or whatever. And like, we were having some downtime. I moved back to Brunswick and, uh, my roommate uh, at the time, his name was Joey. I mean, he's the guitarist and vocalist in Sports Reference. And he is a very, very talented uh, uh, bass and guitar player. He's a bass player first, oddly enough, even though he plays guitar and sings in Sports Reference. But like he <laughs> he and I were just like, do you want to just like jam some material? Because I was looking to like, I was like, Machinist was my only band at the time. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, I'm kind of looking to like play some while Machinist is having some downtime because you know I I have this itch or whatever, and we were both into bands like, oh yeah, this is my other banner on the wall. Uh, I know the podcast audience can't see, but Adventures, um, it's a Code Orange side project. If oh, you don't know, yeah, them. I was gonna say, yeah, 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 yeah. This is their album art for their first LP, and we both fucking love that band, and we we yeah, both man. love like emo music, and we both love like that style of stuff. And so we were trying to write stuff like that, but being a metal drummer at that point exclusively, like I was bringing in these like heavier aggressive influences and he's bringing in these emo influences. And it's like, so it's cre- it created this weird, um, like I wouldn't categorize a sports reference as like metal or anything, but it's like, the drums are still very powerful. They're still very mm. like, they're not, I don't play technical, you know, I don't play like, yeah. like, you know, like it's still, it's, it's like punk based, powerful drums is what I do. And so like, he's played like, even on the soft stuff that like we started, like we were like, even on that stuff, like I'm playing like really like big stuff over it. And so it created this cool, like 
grungy sound because that's kind of you know grungy is heavy without being heavy you know it's like yeah you know what i mean so it's like we created this emo grunge sound punk thing i don't know it's really hard to describe <laughs> and <laughs> but we also were the only two people in the band and so i was like well i want like let's both sing uh like i i sing in that band as well and um i've never done that I've never played drums and sang at the same time so that was really a fucking really crazy learning curve uh yeah. and so we recorded and so okay so and then cut to uh i'm moving from brunswick to gainesville i'm gonna move soon and i know this and sports reference has played uh one show with a, a friend of mine on on base uh as filling in because we didn't i knew that i was gonna move and so we didn't want to like bring anyone else in and we didn't think that we were going to continue because i was moving joey wasn't and so we were like, well, let's record this EP. And that became our first, e like, let's record a demo. But that ended up becoming our first EP, which is called Blue Room. Mm. Uh, and, you know, he wrote half the lyrics. I wrote half the lyrics. We recorded in our hometown or my in Brunswick and, like, put it out there. And we got such a positive reception. And also, you know, it was so fulfilling for me and him that we, like, we we're like we should keep this going and we should keep doing this even though i'm moving we could we can do that and so he ended up moving to gainesville like six months later and we started touring and playing locally and like all that stuff and so that's that's kind of where that's how sports reference came around we had like we also didn't have a bass player for a long time we had probably like nine or ten different people fill in just like friends you know what i mean yeah we went on two or three tours with different bass players every time and like I actually got to play like a couple of new places I hadn't played with machinists with that band. Like Joey originally is from West Virginia. Uh, and okay. like, I, so we got to play in West Virginia, which is a crazy ass state. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, man. It's like the wealth disparity in, in the, in this country is insane. Like West Virginia yeah, is like, yeah, holy yeah. shit, but it's beautiful there, but it's just like, there's no jobs. I don't know. That's a side tangent. Anyways, so we got to do a lot of really cool stuff with Sports Reference, and we recorded another EP called Somewhere Else. And at that point is when we had uh, our current bass player, Rob, join. He was in this band called Boyfriend Material, which was like uh, an indie-type band uh, on Community Records. And we met him playing shows that way. And he's come in. And so now all three of us are doing vocals, and we're writing a full length. But then the pandemic happened and so we didn't see each other and i don't know if it's gonna like i don't know quite what the future holds for that band you know what i mean yeah uh but i That's hope fair. that we'll like we have kind of an lp written it's just like i don't know we're kind of sitting on it like i don't like it's not quite finished and so i really would love to put it out there because i love that band and i think musically it's our best stuff and it's definitely mm. some like i guess broader appeal than machinist is yeah. Uh, and so like, I feel like if we got it out there that like, I think people would really like it. I don't know. <laughs> and just because like you've mentioned like fest, obviously like machine is playing. Oh yeah. There's a sports reference. Yeah. Yeah. We played. Yeah, Cause I was going to like, I've never been to fest is one of the things I do want to go to, but like my like outside view, like sports reference feels like a band that would fit more with fest. Than Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, machinist does really well because the weird thing about, okay, so this is the fest at Gainesville, Florida. If anyone's wondering, uh, it's on this 19th year this year. Anyways, uh, the thing, the, the reason machinist fits is because fest is like pretty varied in terms of sound. Like yeah. a lot of it is punk based and a lot of it is quote fest punk, 
like you know you have bands trying to rip off hot water music and shit like that and like yeah. hot water music is playing this year because they're from gainesville whatever but anyways like but then they always have at least a day at a venue that's all heavy bands so like a couple years ago this was like yashira and like ether coven and like a bunch of like really nasty florida heavy bands and they also do a really good job of bringing in florida bands and they're because they're trying to keep regional stuff in there too yeah so machinist does fit in but sports reference definitely has more like we have more in, in connection with the other bands you know what i mean because like <laughs> yeah. well like you know we have a punky and e- emo and grungy sound and there's punk and emo and grunge bands all playing so it's like it definitely fits a lot better i think yeah <coughs> and just me. in terms of like you mentioned kind of going out and touring with with sports reference and stuff and like not saying that machinist is kind of like the priority or like number one but like have there been instances where like you've had offers all kind of like look to book tours and there's been crossover or has that not ever been an issue yeah i mean so there is but when i started sports reference i told joey at least at the time, Machinist was definitely the priority. It was always mm. at, the, at that point. I was like, hey, man, if like Machinist has a tour and we're starting to try to book something, I'm going to go on the Machinist tour. It's just what it is. But, at, yeah. you know, at this point, like there's not a lot of cross contamination because Machinist. Uh, we don't tour like Jeff has a kid. And so like we don't yeah. tour as much as we used to. So it's like my schedule is way more open. And so even though I would still say Machinist is my priority band whatever that fucking means. Uh, <laughs> there, it doesn't really, there's no conflicts, even though I'm in five yeah, bands. Yeah. It's cause it's like everything else is like, I can move it around or whatever. And, and, and also because um, Gainesville is such a small town that like, we do have a lot of shows for a small town, but it's still a small town. So it's still not like, like I'm not constantly getting offers to play all the time, like multiple times yeah, a yeah. week or something. It's like, you know, each band maybe gets an offer for like once a month and it's like, that's easy and I can move it around or whatever. Mm. So it's and just, nothing too crazy. Before we kind of go, because obviously I do want to talk to you about your podcast as well, but <laughs> the other other band that I want to touch upon, purely for the name, uh-huh. but also because you were kind, kind enough to, to donate a track to our charity sampler that we did, but Pope Boner. Yeah. <laughs> but go, go, where where did the name come from? Okay, so one of the things that Machinist did a lot, uh, to pass the time on tour was create fake band names, right? Right, okay. And oddly enough, uh, Pope Boner was one of those. And it was a name, <laughs> okay. like, you know, like we, we would start, we would say like, oh, I don't know, like the shitty Beatles or something. Like, oh, that's funny. Uh, Pope Boner. Okay. Sports Reference, also one of those names, which is like, <laughs> very funny. It literally came up and I immediately on Pope Bo- or not Pope Boner, but on Sports Reference, I immediately registered like the Facebook page. And like, I was like, I'm owning this fucking name. This is, <laughs> this is my name. I did that before the band was a thing. Uh, Pope Boner, not so much. <clears throat> but Pope Boner also has a weird history because it's like, we did that. We came up with that name, just like fucking just saying things that were stupid. And we're like, oh, that's really funny. Uh, and then I was like, no, we should we should start a dumb punk band and we should call it Pope Bunner. And so me, Jeff, and Matt Zagorski, who's the bass player of Machinist, uh, tried. Because me and Matt, like Matt plays uh, guitar in another band called Dying Whale, who is incredible. Mm. Uh, if you haven't heard of them, they're, they're more... I mean, Matt loves Converge, and you can really feel that in that band. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, they're fucking incredible. They're a two-piece. It's just insane shit. Anyways, uh, 
Matt was playing guitar and I was playing drums and we recorded this shitty little demo and Jeff was going to do vocals, but for some reason never did. And that was like four years ago. And that was the last I thought Pope Boner would ever do. And then the pandemic happened. And then (laughs) I had a lot of free time (laughs) and I had a interface that I was learning to use. And I was like, what if I restarted Pope Boner, but I did everything like, and I okayed it with Matt and he was like, I don't give a shit. Like if we, if we ever play live, you know, I could play guitar or drums or whatever. Just, and so I started recording all these songs and I just started, it gave me something to do. Uh, yeah. Like it gave me, and I was like learning as I was going. Cause I've never recorded anything before, but I like, I also record all the Pope Boner stuff myself and like mix it and master, not master it. I always, I let my friend master it, but like, Mix it all myself, and on every release, I feel like I'm doing a little bit better because I'm learning new things. That's cool. But uh, yeah, so like, I was doing this and doing this, and at the time, I was like, okay, I'll just do the vocals too because like I'm just doing it all myself. And then I told Jeff about it. He's like, I want to do the vocals. Let me do it. Let me do it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he does like this weird vocal thing that he never does with machinists. Yeah, and I, yeah. I put like some like distortion pedal like on it to make it like really crazy sounding, and it's just been a fucking fun time. Mm. <laughs> and I don't know if we'll ever play live, but I hope so. Uh, yeah. because I don't even know what instrument I would play. Cause like I said, I do, <laughs> I do guitar, bass and drums on it. So I like, I know all of it. Um, I would like to play guitar. I don't know. I don't know if I, <laughs> if that's what will happen. We actually had a joke, uh, where I'm going to try and get us on the fest next year. Pope Boner. Nice. Because uh, currently I have three bands playing Fest this year uh, with Leg Biters included in there and a sports reference to Machinist. And like, I was like, okay, so what if we do a Pope Boner set, but like we don't actually play anything? And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, okay, we all, we set up like leather chairs on the stage with like a boom box between us. And we just like have, <laughs> have like balaclavas or like masks on, like ski masks. And we just play the music from a tape in the boom box. And we just sit there for half an hour. What if we do that? Yeah, that would be sick. <laughs> and Jeff was like, yeah, it's a good way to play once and never be asked to play again and potentially never have any of your other bands <laughs> on ever again. I was like, would it be worth it? I think so. I think so. <laughs> but yeah, um, so like... Thing... So sorry, come. No, no, no. I was just going to say, so that's... I mean, Pope Boner is just... You know, we have... We put out a demo last year. We put out a, a split earlier this year. We had the song on your comp, which I'm very gracious enough that you let us on. Because, like, the music is not a joke. The music is so very serious. That was that was going to be my point. Because, like, when you guys kind of released it, like, we'd been chatting a bit. Like, we'd kind of become, like, internet mm-hmm. friends and stuff. And obviously, like, getting to know who you and Jeff were. Like, I know that, like, your, like, sense of humor and how you two bounce off each other. So when I saw that name, I was like, oh, this is just going to be a joke band. But then when you listen to it, it's not at all. So no, like- it's not. It's it's. That's why I think it's so funny. Because it's like, <laughs> I'm earnestly trying very hard to write good music with it. like, And it's just like, uh, but like, it's just got this joke exterior. And I think that might partially be like one of those things where like, I'm like, oh, if I don't treat this so seriously... Then if people don't like it, that's okay because it's not a serious thing. Yeah. But then, yeah, like, yeah. but then like when that demo came out, we got a lot of weird internet traction that like, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this anymore. <laughs> this is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the the, the the music is absolutely not a joke. The lyrics can yeah. be funny, but they are very real. 
you know, they're very like actual lyrics. They're not like jokes. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, I say do you want to kind of talk about your podcast as well? But yeah, yeah. One one thing I want to touch on quickly as well is something else that me and you have in in common is the photography kind of side of things. Oh yes. So, like, has that always been something that you've kind of been interested in? Like, and I don't know, like, how. I don't want to make this sound like diminishing, but like, do you, how seriously do you take it? Is it just like a hobby? Is it something you like? I have been interested in photography since I was a kid. Uh, Mm. There was some, I don't remember the details exceedingly well, but I had some shitty like point and click camera, you know, one of those. And like, uh, there was a school project and I had, and like, it was like something to do with like, like representing your, the area we live in. And so what I chose to do is I took photos of like, cause I lived on an Island. And so there was like a lighthouse. And yeah. so like I took photos of the lighthouse and the beach and the water and stuff. And I put it on this board and like, I was just drawn to photography. I mean, they were terrible photos, but my, my funny enough, my aunt still has that and sent me a picture of it like last year in comparison to like a more recent photo I took. <clears throat> and she's like, look how far you've grown. And I was like, holy shit. I haven't seen those photos in like 25 <laughs> years. This is crazy. Anyways, uh, so I've always had an interest, but it's been very on and off. I grew up very poor. Uh, mm. And so I did not have access to a camera, like a real camera. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I always had like disposable cameras or whatever like that. And I, you know, I would take photos with those, but it definitely never was like a real thing. And I definitely never thought that I would be able to afford anything. And then uh, my now ex-girlfriend, uh, who was a professional photographer for a little while, she was taking a break from it and I was like, Hey, can I borrow your camera and take it to a show? And this is maybe five years ago, six years ago. And she's like, yeah, it was like some Canon, like 40 D or whatever, like semi like nice, you know? And, uh, I fucking fell in love with it so hard all over again, but I had a decent camera, uh, and like started to, and again, I'm always go always at shows, you know? And so like, I was like, I just brought it every fucking show and like, yeah, and, and so over that year, I progressed super quickly and was like learning flash and learning, not, not flash, but learning how to use a flash and learning how different lenses and blah, 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 blah. Cause I had no experience at all really with a real camera before that and dove in super hard and, and became pretty obsessed with it. Like I still bring a camera to every show. Uh, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there obviously hasn't been a show in a year, but like, and I bring it on tour to like document things like that. And I bring it when I travel and like, uh, so technically I would say I'm between hobby and professional. Cause I have been yeah, paid yeah, to yeah. do stuff, but I don't get paid for like, it's not my living. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like I've done like graduation photos for people. I've also done like portraits for people or bands. That's I did cool. like one, one wedding reception. That was okay. It was very dark in there and hard to do, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I love, having my camera at shows because I love um, getting that detail of a show to the bands. It's something I really enjoy. Like I love being like, Hey, like, and I do it for tiny bands for their second show or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, here's, here's all these photos and you could just have them for free because I don't care. Uh, and the, like, they're always so stoked, you know what I mean? And so, cause it's like, I know that feeling, like when people give us pictures, I'm like, this is awesome. Thank you so much. And so it's something that just like, I just love to do. And then that led into wanting to do other like landscape photography, portrait photography, all that stuff. It mm. led into all that. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, 
would I love to do more of it? Absolutely. Uh, but also I do way too much shit already. So it's hard to, it's hard to do it. <laughs> no, I could, I can totally relate. Um, it might be a bit of a, a difficult question, but like, is there a particular band that you've shot that you really enjoyed? Oh, that is kind of tricky. Um, so two years ago, this is the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, two years ago, uh, do you know, asshole parade? no okay so they're like um in terms of like american power violence they're like very talked about uh and right, they're, okay. they're they're from gainesville and uh so they did like some sort of reunion show in this tiny capacity venue and like it was sold out and like but i got to like be on the side of the stage because i had a camera and everyone like at this point they're like oh jeremy takes photos to so let him kind of just exist yeah, over there yeah. and it was the most fun because it was like so intimate, but like so just explosive with energy because it's a fucking power violence band, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all like older dudes. They're like 40 to 50 years old, but like they still killed it. They're still, I don't know, man. That was, that was an absolutely amazing show. And that was a, a real pleasure for me. But also, um, I don't know, like I, I, there's a particular venue in town called Lucy's. Um, and they, any band I shoot there, I enjoy just because of the way the lights are. Right, I know that's a yeah, weird yeah, yeah. thing, but it's like, no, 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 that's, I totally get what you mean. Yeah. Like I, I've gotten used to how that venue looks. And so I can take amazing photos there. Um, and then, then there's another venue that I hate taking photos at. And even if I love the band, it's like, I'm not going to take any photos because the lighting fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. man, asshole parade. If you haven't checked them out, like they're old, but they're fucking killer. No, I will definitely check them out after this. But um, the, the recent, because I kind of wanted a bit of a selfish question, because I just wanted to tell this story. No, absolutely. Like, like I remember, so there's a venue in London called New Cross Inn, which is like over, obviously not last year, but over like the last like two three years, has kind of become like the hardcore venue oh, okay. in London. Um, but it's like it's really small. But so if you're like looking at the stage, just slightly to the right, there's like a pillar. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was like an all dayer there. And I think we've spoken, I've spoken about this on the show before, but Strife headlined it. Oh shit, okay. And it was, it was like the first time they'd come to the UK in like a couple of years. Um, and like, I was like, right, I want to take photos. I'm going to like stand like slightly to this pillar because like it's a safety net, mm-hmm. but also like I'm at the front, obviously just like fucking kicked off <laughs> and like ended up like, so I've got the camera in my right hand and I'm literally left hand wrapped around this pillar. So I don't get knocked <laughs> over. And there's a, there's a guy in the UK called Daitan who like, he's like the UK version of like hate five, six. Okay, sure. So he, like documents all the shows. Yeah. And he put up a video of the show, and you because I'm six foot two, so like I stand out anyway. You're visible. <laughs> yeah, so you can just see me like hanging on for dear life on this fucking pillar. It's fucking hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah, um, I like. I get what you mean. Like, I love those shows where it is like, like I've I've shot a couple of festivals, which has been really cool. But it is those like smaller, intimate shows where like you're in the crowd. You're, and you're stuff, in but, it, man. You're literally like yeah. holding people back trying to shoot a photo you know what i mean i love that shit that's it's so fun i will say i not to mention the fest a thousand times on this fucking podcast (laughs) but the fest is the one time i do not bring my camera 
Oh, so really? The fest has all even before I I lived here. The fest has always been my. It's like a vacation. Like right. yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. do work. I want to enjoy myself. And so like other festivals, I'll bring the camera or whatever like that. But like I just like sometimes I'll take pictures with my phone or whatever. But like I'm like I'm not doing it because I just want to. I want to be in the middle of the crowd and not have to worry about protecting this camera or I want to like, you know what I mean? And like stuff like that. And so it's like, I missed a lot of really cool shots because there's a lot of very talented fest photographers and they get a lot of great photos. Um, but like at the same time, they got great photos. So that's, I don't need, I don't need to be there. Yeah. yeah, You know what I mean? Okay. But yeah, like, Although I mean other other festivals, like I said, I'll, I'll I'll take my camera, but like I the fest is the one that I'm just like no. I mean I love playing the fest, and that doesn't. But those sets don't even feel like work because it's just like all my friends from all over the country are there, and they're just here. You know, we get to hang out, so it doesn't feel like a like a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Right, we'll get to Desography podcast. We're yeah, we're, we're gonna get there eventually, it. and we're only an hour and twenty minutes in. <laughs> Tim, I'll keep going. We make this fucking four hours. I don't give a shit. I got nothing to do today. <laughs> But so, I I was trying to think like when, when I came like I actually know how I came across it, and I think maybe like Deathwish maybe retweeted like an episode or something. Sure. Yeah, they do that. And then so I was like, oh, like it was like quite early on. So I was like, oh, I can catch up. So I went back and started listening like from the beginning, and obviously like now congratulations you're a year in like thank you yeah yeah sick. you're yeah <laughs> and but like where did the initial idea come from and like i don't jeff i'm sorry if this is horrible <laughs> against you but it sounds like you jeremy you were the driving force behind it and you kind of brought jeff along for the ride well oh, oh, so i won't <laughs> all right Jeff is a very integral part of the podcast. He genuinely oh, is. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not I'm right, not right, right. right. But I'm not, I'm not, I really am not saying that because he absolutely is. It would not exist without him. But uh, when we first started, I mean, me and Jeff are like best friends or, you know, we've known each other forever. And we've, it was before the pandemic, like it was like, you know, just existing. And we, we had been talking, I mean, of course we have because we're two white dudes in our twenties. We're going to do a podcast. We want to do a podcast, <laughs> yeah. right? Whatever. But like I had some podcast experience, uh, a friend of mine, uh, back when I was in college, uh, runs a podcast, uh, and, oh, and I'm blanking on the name and I'll, ha- I'll have to, oh, comedy, a go-go where he interviews comedians. He's a comedian, uh, and he interviews comedians and he and I talked about doing a podcast. And so we did one called what really matters is what you like. I don't know if it's still up anywhere. I, I haven't, I don't even want to listen to it. Basically we do like top five list of various music related things right, right okay. so i had some experience with podcasts because we did maybe 10 10 to 20 episodes i don't know and so i was always like yeah no i would do it and me and me and jeff have a really great like back and forth like we're able yeah, to vibe yeah, off of definitely. each other really well and that comes from being in a van with him for 10 years <laughs> and uh so we were like what can we do what what is the thing that we can do because i don't want to just fucking talk about nerd stuff even though we're both nerds i don't want to just talk about music because like there's a million of those you know it's like what's the niche what's the spin and so i was like what if we do it on a record like what if we like and this is i didn't know any i i didn't know any podcast doing this at the time and i was like what if we go through a pot or a record label discography one episode per record and just go through the entire thing. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, what's the record label that we both love? And it's death wish. It's like, 
love the love of death wish has been something that we've always talked about and <clears throat> various bands on it like that's one of the reasons we're friends is we like that genre so or that label so much yeah and that was probably six months before the pandemic that we decided that but we didn't have the you know the technology we didn't have the mics we didn't have whatever mm. and so like we finally got it all together and then the pandemic happens and so it's like <laughs> yeah so then we have all the time in the world and so we really pushed it and we were doing two for the first like month or two we were doing two episodes a week because we had nothing else to do and i will say those episodes you know they they show that because they're not as well researched or or like they're maybe shorter because it's not like yeah. like you know what i mean and that, it's but not you're that still I, figuring out what you're doing though, right we were exactly we were still trying to figure out kind of the vibe of everything and all that stuff and it's again I, not that like i dislike those episodes but it's like i really feel like we came into our own probably like 20 episodes in you know yeah <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. but yeah like it's just like i don't know man Death Wish is a fucking killer label. <laughs> I love it a lot. And since then, I've seen a lot of other podcasts come out. Not saying we inspired them, because. But that's what I was going to say. It is weird because, like you, as you said, like you were the first podcast that I was aware of that did this specific thing on a specific record label, right? And like, I'm going to be totally transparent here. Like after listening to you guys, I was like, oh, sick! I could do this on a UK label. Sure, yeah. And like, was thinking about it, but then, like. I'm not going to name names, but people from the UK will know this label. The guy ended up being an absolute shithole. Oh, so cool. like, I like every band or whatever who was was part of that label was like disowned that guy, and I'm like, I'm not touching that with a <laughs> yeah, fucking don't do that. Part. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like, yeah, as you say, like, all of a sudden there was like, meet meet and yep. in, I, in on end and uh, where it and went. Like, the, like, yeah, this is like, it, I. Like, they must have, like, got some form of inspiration from you guys. I don't... Like, I mean, I don't know, but, like, I had not heard of any of them when yeah, we started yeah. ours. Like, at all. Like, I don't... It was so weird at all, because all of a sudden, there's, like, six of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was And, really like, there's weird. one that, like, some friends of ours has started one. Like, some some direct friends of me and Jeff's started one called Save Yourself, which is doing Face Down Records. And it's, like, right, they yeah. literally on the podcast are, like our friends in discography inspired this. And I was like, Hey, at least you're fucking saying it. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it was weird. It literally was like all of a sudden it was like, I was sending like, every, like once a week I was sending a message to Jeff. I was like, here's another one. Here's another one. This yeah, is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know any of these existed. Like, this is wild. But uh, then like in terms of kind of like, as you say, you've kind of found like the whole, like you want to kind of the direction you want to go with and like how you kind of structure the show. And like, Obviously, you have had guests of the bands on, but I like the fact that it is predominantly just you and Jeff. Like you haven't necessarily, and you've but you've gone to the source, but you're using it. If that makes yeah. sense, that was so definitely was that, a conscious choice. I was going to say, was that a conscious thing? Yeah. So it's like we, you know, there are a million podcasts that interview bands, and nothing on those. But it's like I didn't want to just be another podcast that interviews the band yeah it's like, like it's like thing. that's like, right so it's like i didn't I know want this that. is what i'm doing now but like, right wait yeah, but there's like a, there's, there's a million like, of me <laughs> but like i mean you do it really well you're one of the only ones i listen to tim but like Thank uh you, yeah. but uh like there are a million of them and so it's just like i want to do our own spin on it i just want like i want it to be i want the listeners to be us experiencing these records you know, for the first time or sometimes, or like, 
you know, a repeat visit, like a visit that I haven't heard in a while or whatever. Like, uh, and it's like, we've only done one episode, like on a record with a person from that band on that episode. And that was the blacklisted episode with George. Yeah. And like, that was an amazing episode and I absolutely loved it, but that is a very different, it was a very different episode because like, not that I wasn't candid, but it's like, you know, when you have someone with the band in front of you, you can't be as candid as you would normally. Yeah, be, yeah, right? yeah. Right? Like you can't like you're you're watching your words. And not that like again, I love blacklisted and that's not hard to do. It's not hard to talk nice about blacklisted. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But like there's plenty not plenty, but there's a few records that we've talked about that I didn't like. And if we had the bands on I would not have It'll wanted to say that. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have wanted to say that to them because it's like, I'm also not trying to make anyone feel bad. So it's like, even when we dislike a record, I always try to find positives. You know, like, I'm not just trying to be like, fuck this album, blah, 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 blah. But so what we did to supplement that is we've had a couple bonus episodes with members of the bands on those. And that's where yeah, we yeah, can yeah. do the kind of interviews. And we're, we're trying to have more. We have a bunch like, potentially scheduled and stuff like from like the past like uh bands that we've talked about like uh you know potentially like chris from cursed like we actually almost had like we we were in the call but then the internet got weird and that got you know that got shelved but like we have all these potentials because i am in contact with a lot of these bands but it's like getting schedules i don't know how you do it because it is fucking difficult to get schedules <laughs> like because like i guess we have like it's me and jeff so that makes it a little bit more difficult but like yeah, to true, get all yeah, three yeah. of our schedules like lined up especially like we were going to interview like dwid from integrity but he lives in oh, belgium right now so it was like that was going to be difficult you know what i mean yeah. like but he like wanted to come on and so it's like and eventually i would like to get everyone that we've already that we've asked but it's like it, it is very difficult to light up scheduling but with me and jeff it's like Hey, I have Sunday night off. Sure. And we could just like yeah, really yeah. easily like do it. And so like it was definitely a conscious choice to just have our like I want the direct source of the information from the band. I want to know what they have to say about it, but I also want to be able to speak f as freely as I want. You know, mm. like I only hated one record we talked about and that was Hellchild's Bearskin LP. <laughs> I and think like, we know you hate Right, that. yeah. <laughs> it's bad, but like, you know, Otherwise, like, I don't, like I said, I don't just talk shit, but like, I want to be able to talk shit if I, if I want to, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And so like, you know, on that blacklisted episode with George is like, if I had hated that record, I probably wouldn't have said it. I don't hate that record. Uh, yeah. I think it's a great record, but it was cool to hear him talk shit. That was awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. where he was like, I don't really like this. Well, or, like he, I didn't really like the record or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah. And the thing that I like, I'm really enjoying about the show. So obviously, where you've kind of gone back to the beginning, but like, I don't know where you're at now. So for for people that are unfamiliar with the show, you're at rec record fifty. Well, at the time of recording this, you've just done the fifty second rec yes, episode, which is technically so, DW zero five zero. Their numbering is yeah. real weird, but anyways. <laughs> but like, you're around like the period of when like Killing the Dream, yep. Modern Life Is War. Is, which is like a, a period when I was very much getting into Death Wish. For sure. And it, but like for you guys, like discovering, like it's weird, like this, for you discovering a band like Killing the Dream, mm -hmm. like now in 2021, for which is a band that I fucking loved when I was a teenager. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really kind of interesting to kind of hear. So have you kind of had that like 
like response from people that were like very much in the scene at the time are like yo how the fuck not how the fuck did you miss it but like it's right, wild no, we, that you're discovering it yeah we we've had a lot of uh community feedback it's one of the reasons i love doing it because like on instagram like when we share like a flyer or something like that people are like i was fucking there dude and they'll yeah. tell me about it and i love that i love hearing those stories and i love hearing those experiences because as we talked about earlier in the podcast when i was 15 i never heard of death wish you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah. i never i was it was not until i was in college that i was like oh converge is cool you know what i mean like i i never <laughs> yeah. listened to them before never heard of them like and so like obviously i've heard i had heard of a lot of the later death wish bands because that's when i got into death wish you know but like this period i mean i had heard modern life is war that record that fucking witness record is amazing and i knew it going in but like i had heard of killing the dream but i had never really listened to them yeah, and so yeah. like we had somebody write in that was like oh yeah by the way if you talk shit about killing the dream i'll find you and i was like oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and like but that i mean they mean it in kind of a fun way but it's like yeah, yeah. i we definitely had people like what the fuck how have you never heard of us and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go into I'm not going to name names here, but we did have a member of a band uh, reach out to us and uh, they were very mad at us uh, for talking oh, really? about them in the way we did. And oh, shit. yeah. And it was like, you know, I think I ultimately was able to turn it around and be like, Hey, you know, you can always come on the podcast. We could talk about it. And like that never ended up happening, but like, you know, he was just, he was mad. And it was like, that was a weird experience because I was like, we didn't talk bad about your band. Like, yeah, yeah. I kind of liked the band and I mean, I didn't love it, but I kind of liked it. And like, he was also just like, he was also really mad that we didn't have like any, like we had a guest on that episode. And like, he was just like, they didn't know anything about the band. I was like, yeah, that's the fucking point. Like we're all kind of, <laughs> yeah discovering it and it's really cool and i knew i knew that person liked hardcore so i thought he would might like you know what i mean like yeah that's the yeah. point and i think but it was like so or it was like relatively early on so it was like we were still again discovering what we were doing but you know it's just that was a that was probably the, the worst experience we had but everything else has been super positive um the, my favorite moment was okay there was a band called pictures of gabriel and yeah. we did a we ended up doing a bonus episode with them. They were on this compilation and we couldn't find the song on the internet because the compilation doesn't exist on the internet. And da 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 da. And I ended up buying the compilation to just literally listen to that one song and we so we could talk about it. And it sucked. It was a bad song. <laughs> it was a really bad song. It's our first bonus episode, if you want to go back and listen to it. But it's like we just I mean, not like meanly, but we made jokes. We're like, this is this was not worth it. <laughs> like, I had yeah. to, we had to wait so long for this fucking one song, and it's not very good. And that got to them. And this band hasn't been a band basically in twenty years. Yeah, and, yeah. But they ended up coming on the podcast, and they laughed. Like they they were like, this is the best. Like we're you're talking about a band that hasn't existed in twenty years. I'm like, exactly. Like yeah, that's yeah. the point. And like so like. It was like the exact opposite experience of the other guy. You know what I mean? And so like, I don't know. It's a cool, it's a cool, fun thing. And like, you know, we've been in contact with like Trey from Death Wish and that's really cool. And like, he's helped out me getting in contact with bands and like, uh, but I mean, Twitter is super useful as well because mm. like, uh, I'll be like, Hey, does anyone know anyone in these bands? And people will like link me or whatever. And, yeah, like, yeah. It's really, I mean, it's neat. Cause like, sometimes I can't, sometimes I can't get in contact with the band. Like for the first killing the dream episode, I could not 
no one responded, couldn't find anyone, but they saw that episode and reached out. And so for the second episode, I was able to get some information yeah, and talk yeah. to them. And now like I, you know, that dude's numbers in my, or that dude's numbers in my phone. So like for the next episode, I could talk to him and like talk about the band or whatever. And we're going to probably have him on for a bonus episode. That's cool. But yeah. Right. I don't know. Jeremy, I've taken up way too much of your time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm talking a lot. <laughs> no, it's cool, man. Um, but just one final thing on, on the podcast, like obviously like in some sense it is obviously formulaic because you are going through sure. a discography, but like, I don't know, like, are there any records on there that like you're not familiar with personally that you're looking forward to hitting? Well, um, now, because like, again, we've like discovered, I've discovered bands doing this, like that most recent episode we did was on Rise and Falls uh, Into mm. Oblivion. And that's a band that I've never, never dived into. And I love that. I like that record a lot. So like, that's been, that's been a, re a repeating thing is like, I'll find a band that I've never heard of and be like, oh shit, now I can't wait because I know we're going to cover them like three more times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing that I do, I don't, I think Jeff does it too, but one thing that I do is like, I, since starting this podcast, I don't listen to, like, I don't, listen ahead i make yeah, sure yeah, to yeah. only listen to that week and during that time so i can make sure to be like have a real fresh take on whatever we're doing so it's like i really want to listen to rise and fall like more of them but it's like <laughs> no i gotta hold off on it and that's a weird thing but like i don't know like also there's like uh let's i'm trying i'm just trying to think of other bands but like yeah i mean like rise and fall killing the dream these are all bands that i was like oh shit this is actually really good and now I really want to listen to more of it, but I can't. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Uh, a big one, which we already did. This was a. This is the last thing I'll say is like, um, sex positions. So when yeah. we started the podcast, everything we fucking heard was like, "Have you covered sex positions yet?" No, just wait, just fucking wait until so like, I. They were they were hyped beyond belief. Everyone we talked to, and when we got to that record, that that fucking self titled sex position sex positions record, uh, it still blew me away. It was still yeah, just yeah. like, it was my most hyped record that we were going to cover. And it was still just like, holy shit, this is good. Uh, and they only did the one record and that sucks yeah. a lot, <laughs> uh, but it's a fucking amazing record. And if you, if you know, your listeners have never heard of them they're it's on Bandcamp and it's amazing. So <laughs> yeah, man. And like, I've mentioned this to you before, but like, I'm super stoked for when you get into like the latter stuff, like. I think I I mentioned it when we were talking before, but like that Carpathian record mm -hmm. that you're going to get to at some point is just like top tier for me. So I'm, I'm excited. Really yeah. That's the best thing about this label, man. Like it's all good. <laughs> like it's good now. It's <laughs> yeah. good. It's going to be good in two years. Like, and also like, you know, the weird thing about it, and I'm sorry, I know we're trying to wrap up, but like the weird no, thing about cool, it man. is like, you know, it has a definitive end, right? Eventually yeah. there will be no more records to cover. But it is still an active label, so like maybe we'll just like every three months or four months we'll put yeah. another episode out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And that's gonna be a weird thing because it's gonna be like I don't know. I don't. That's that's in like four years. So like yeah. like literally, it's like <laughs> doing an episode a week. It's still like four years away. <laughs> like, yeah, man, definitely. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Jeremy, how I always like wrap things up, and I'm gonna let you cherry pick this one because you've got so many bands. <laughs> But how I always end is like to ask my guests what their favorite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So we'll go, as I say, I'm going to let you pick. So what's your favorite songs that you like to play live and why? 
<sighs> so for sports reference, I think my favorite song to play is a song called Ghost Cave. Uh, it's the first song on our second EP. Uh, our bassist, Rob, hates it. That might be a reason uh, <laughs> why I love it so much. But I love that song. It's it's uh, it's just got – it's so, like, drivey. And, like, but it's got a lot of ebbs and flows. It's our longest song we wrote. It, like, you know, it, like, dips really quiet, builds back up. It's got, like, a uh, really cool outro. And it's just, like, it's heavy. And I love this, the heavy sports reference stuff a lot because um, I feel like we just do it, like, in a different way that no one else does. And it's always really fun. Gets people, like, headbanging and stuff. It's really fun. Uh, for Machinist, uh, I would say it's probably The Nail. Um, yeah, I, that was the first song that we wrote with the current lineup, uh, that like, and it was the first time that I feel like we became the band that I ultimately wanted since ba- day one. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, cause that, that was a distinct, that was like, if you want to look at early machinist to late machinist is like the nail is the fucking point. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, but it's just a fucking blast to play because it's, it, it like, it starts off all slow and heavy and and then it just like speeds up really fun. And then it ends with like a really, I don't know. It's just like super, super fun to play. Also up until this split, we just released, it was never released anywhere like digitally. So like it still was like people knew it because we had a music video, but like not everyone knew it. So it was like this yeah. weird, like middle thing like that, like, you could see like, Oh, this is a new song. Like in people's eyes, even though it is not, I don't know. It was like a really cool experience. Every time I hope we, we tend to close the set with that song. Cause it's such a fun one to play. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I'll keep it there because I don't want to talk about <laughs> too many <laughs> other cool. projects, but <laughs> that's cool. And just for my own disclaimer, Jeff, if you're listening, I will get you on, but I'd like to do this one person at a time. Jeff, so, uh, Jeff is a very interesting person to talk to, and he has a lot of history too. So yeah, yeah, man. but yeah, I wanted to do this one on one because I find it's easier. But so I'm not. This wasn't a slight at you, Jeff, for listening. <laughs> I love you, but yeah, Jeremy got there first. Sorry. Perfect, Jeremy, my man. Thank you very much. No, really, thank really you, appreciate Tim. Appreciate it. Oh, it's been a blast. So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Jeremy for taking some time out of his day to have a little chat with me. And yeah, as I said, it was just cool to catch up with with a friend as well, which was lovely for me. Um, as always, if you want to check out what all of Jeremy's various projects are doing, there'll be links in the description notes of this episode. Um, as, as well as like the musical endeavours, I do want to push you in the direction of the Deskography podcast because I think those guys... Are doing a fantastic job and if you like Deathwish Inc then it's a really fun listen so go check that out um as always you can support this show if you want if you so wish uh second episode of the patreon series will be coming out at the end of this month so that's patreon.com forward slash justin inside podcast uh we're still obviously collecting money as well for heads above the waves through our charity sampler which is over at justininsightpod.bandcamp.com Follow us on all the social medias, just underscore and underscore insight on Instagram and Twitter, and just an insight podcast on Facebook. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave this outro short and sweet. We're nearing episode 200 now, if you hadn't noticed, and I'm hoping to kind of 
get something a little bit special together for it. I've put feelers out. We'll wait and see. But we've got another eight episodes to go until we hit that point. So whether this is the first time you're listening to the show or the 192nd time you're listening to the Justin Insight podcast, thank you for stopping by and I will see you soon. Bye.